Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. Now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the mm. end of the earth. Mm. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, well, a great passage today. Hmm. And as our great friend Barrett Fisher told me before we started recording, a passage that is very important to many scholars. And so who better to be joined by than the PhD honored <laughs> Dr. Barrett Fisher so <laughs> I, I am going to forgo my, my rights, or not really my right, but my tendency <laughs> to introduce the passage. Barrett, what are your thoughts on this servant of the Lord passage in Isaiah 49? I would, call it, I would call it a tendency and a right. Mm, so wow, I'll, I'll give that wow, to you, Will. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I, I, I think this, you know, this passage is not only important to scholars, this passage is important to the story of scripture, like to the whole thing. Um, because in verse six, it's it's one of these verses that many would point to as like a very good summary statement of the mission of Israel. And and the mission of Israel is kind of a it's kind of a contested thing mm. among scholars. Like so Israel was chosen. I mean, I would say, well, let me just read the verse. It says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Mm. And so and so it it seems to be clear that Israel was chosen by God to be um, this idea of the one for the many, okay? Mm -hmm. And we we see this theme repeated over and over in Scripture. Um, Abraham was chosen. He's the one. He was chosen in order to bring blessing to the many. That's yeah. Genesis 12. Yeah. Moses, you know, the people of Israel are in Egypt. They're enslaved. And God chooses the one, he chooses Moses in order to bless the many. Mm -hmm. They are freed out of Egypt and God chooses the one, the nation of Israel mm -hmm. for the sake of the many. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you see that theme kind of play out in scripture and ultimately you see it play out, you know, in the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the one is chosen. And I think Romans 5 tends to bring this out when Paul is kind of comparing Jesus and Adam mm. and you know, by the one man all died and by the one man all will, uh, you know, be made alive. And, um, and so in, in Jesus, you know, the one is chosen obviously for the sake of the many mm -hmm. for this, so that, so that salvation can be brought to the many. And so, but there's always this kind of debate going on about 
what was Israel's actual mission mm-hmm. uh, given by God? Like, were they supposed to go out and like evangelize? And sometimes we, sometimes we put like modern day or even New Testament ideas back on yeah, Israel yeah. that like probably is not fair. Um, it, it doesn't appear that in the old Testament, they were given this like evangelism strategy or Mm -hmm. they didn't have an apostle Paul who was going out and trying to spread the Jewish religion to, you know, foreign nations or whatever. Um, however, you know, there, the question becomes like, what was Israel's actual mission? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so there was a very real sense that God gave them the promised land so that they would be freed out of slavery, they would be redeemed, as it were, bought back by God out of slavery, out of Egypt, and then they wander through the wilderness, and and all the while, I mean, even stretching back to Abraham, but all the while they're in the wilderness, he's kind of promising this promised land. Mm-hmm. And so in that promised land, he he gives them a, a temple, a place where they can meet God, a place where they can uh, bring sacrifices to God and they can worship God. They can uh, repent before God. He gives them things like the day of atonement where, mm-hmm. you know, it's this special day where their ten- their sins are going to be atoned for. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives them, he gives them uh, their own land where they can live out. Oh, he gives them the law. And so they've got this, they've got a very specific law that they can live by in this land and as they live by that law, you know, to the extent that they keep that law and obey his commandments, and you you hear that over and over in the Old Testament, obey my commandments and keep my statutes and, and things like that. So to the extent that they do that, they are they are kind of what Jesus talks about, like in Matthew five, they're gonna be this city that is on a hill, mm-hmm. you know, that's light cannot be hidden. Mm-hmm. And so Israel seems to to it seems that God meant for Israel to be that. Yeah. That they were to go into the promised land, they were to live by his law, they were to have this place, uh, this temple where they can meet their God and they can commune with him and fellowship with him and and worship him. And um and and then uh they would be this light to the nations. Totally. What they did instead is rather than looking to God and you know living by the law that he's clearly given them and living in communion and fellowship with him through the, through the temple and, you know, through the priestly mediation, uh, rather than doing that, basically what they did is they snuffed out the light Mm -hmm. and they did that by looking at other nations. Mm -hmm. And so they started looking at other nations and saying, Hey, you know, we want a King like the other nations. I mean, you can go back to first Samuel eight, you know, and they, they want a King like the other nations. They start taking wives from other nations. They start, taking gods and idols from other nations and incorporating it in. And before long, they've got this very syncretistic faith where they've, you know, they've syncretized, you know, their, their Jewish uh, religion with all these other gods and idols and, and foreign belief systems that have kind of crept in and they've allowed that to happen. And so they've snuffed out this light. Yeah. Uh, and, and so here, I mean, kind of getting to our passage today in, in Isaiah 49, six, um, this is very clearly stated that this is what God wanted them to be. He wanted them to be a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Mm. And so he wants them to be this light for the nation. And this is very interesting language in light of the coming Messiah mm-hmm. who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when he comes on the scene, I mean, it's, it's it's amazing to read, you know, in like John one, and you you see the theme of light come out very strongly, and 
you know, essentially, I mean, Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And that's totally. why, that's why I would say that Jesus is the true Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel did not stay close to God. They did not keep the law. They did not stay in communion with him. They did not keep the festival, you know, these seven festivals that he gave. So, so they forsook everything that they were supposed to. And by doing that, they snuffed out the light and they were living in sin. And that's why God eventually banished them to exile. And Jesus is the one who came. And it says that he doesn't come to abolish the law. It means that he doesn't come to like do away with it. Mm-hmm. He comes to fulfill it. Totally. And he fulfills it by being the righteous one, by being the sinless one. And he keeps the law perfectly. He he keeps in perfect communion with the Father. Mm-hmm. And through that, he is this light for the nations. Totally. Well said. You know, Dee's, uh, he, he kind of dug into this one Sunday and he references this a lot, but I remember one Sunday he really clearly explained sort of this idea of witness, we can just call it, that we see in the Old Testament versus what we see in the New Testament. Mm. And he used two physics terms, um, centripetal and centrifugal mm-hmm. force. Yeah. And so centripetal, uh, you know, I apologize to any physicians uh, ahead of time, or not physicians, physicists <laughs> yeah. and physicians. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who knows anything about science, I just apologize <laughs> for the brute job I'm about to do. But in in layman's terms, a centripetal force is essentially like a pulling in. Pulling in, yeah. And a centrifugal force is essentially like a pushing out right. type of force. And so here in Isaiah and elsewhere in the prophets, the idea of Israel as a light for the nations, as a witness uh, of Yahweh to the nations, is essentially that through their obedience and faithfulness to God, uh, should they uphold their end of the bargain, then their society, their peace, their justice will be so beautiful and so flourishing and so prosperous that these neighboring nations will see. And as it is often stated in prophecy that, you know, they will come from Egypt and from Babylon and from Assyria and and bow down and worship the Lord. And so basically it's this come and see, as Dees would call it, a come and see type kingdom. And, Obviously, they fail that. And then Jesus comes, as you said, he fulfills that. And then the paradigm shifts to instead of this come and see, you know, the church is like this closed off thing that people are supposed to come see and witness and join themselves to. It's actually a go and tell kingdom. It's go out into the ends of the earth and expand the kingdom that way, the kingdom of God, the justice and rule of Christ. And so that is really helpful for me in kind of seeing the shift that happens between, let's call it like Isaiah and Acts. But, you know, there's an interesting thing here because part of a lot of this, uh, you know, sort of discourse in Isaiah 49, one through seven is specifically about Isaiah. Like it's this conversation with God and Isaiah regarding sort of his ministry as a prophet and the opposition that he's facing. And so a question that might arise is, Okay, the heading of this passage in the ESV is the servant of the Lord. We know that ultimately Jesus fulfills that. But this does seem to be a conversation regarding Isaiah personally. And so is this about Isaiah or is this about Jesus? Is this about the church? And I think the answer there is yes, you know, because to go back to that transfiguration moment, what's really important in this apex moment of Jesus' ministry, Moses, who embodies the law 
and Elijah, who often represents the prophets, Hmm. they both, uh, you know, confer with Jesus and converse with him there. And Jesus, you know, in Matthew five, he says that I have come to fulfill the law Hmm. and the prophets. And so there's this motion that happens when Jesus comes where everything that Isaiah was and everything that he wasn't, everything that Jeremiah was and what he could not be, it all finds its yes in Jesus. It finds its fulfillment Mm. in Jesus. And so Mm. that's how we can like look at these passages and see the immediate things that are at hand, but then also the greater, you know, more high level fulfillment of those in Jesus's ministry. Yeah, that's right. And then that's how, you know, we can see in one sense, we know that Jesus comes and that he becomes the light for the nations and through him, salvation reaches to the ends of the earth. But there's this interesting gospel economy where Jesus doesn't, he doesn't go at it alone. Obviously he accomplishes his death and resurrection, but he invites the church into it. And, you know, one of the motifs of the new Testament is that we are actually called into God's kingdom not only as recipients of good news, but as co-heirs with Jesus, yeah. at, like brothers, mm. is what you know the New Testament authors will say. Mm. And so, in one sense, yes, absolutely, Jesus is the ultimate light for the nations and salvation for the ends of the earth. But he has chosen to bind us into that mission mm. that his church would share in you know, giving light to the nations and salvation to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And so Jesus is glorified and the church is commissioned through this sort of idea. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think that's well said. I, you know, I mean, just to summarize a bit, I, you know, I think the church is meant to be uh, both a come and see and go and tell. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. so definitely there's the go and tell. I mean, it's very obvious with the Great Commission in Matthew 28 with uh, Acts 1.8. I mean, there's there's very obvious passages that we're supposed to be a, a going to, go and tell kind of people, and that's why we talk about scattering a lot at at Christ's Covenant. But um, we're also meant to be a come and see type people, and so this gets back to you know Isaiah chapter forty eight that we looked at yeah uh, I guess two days ago, but their their life was not matching up with what what they were saying, and so um, people should be able to come to a place like Christ's Covenant should be able to come in where you know, our church family is gathering and see, man, there is something different about these people. Like this is amazing. It feels like the spirit of the living God is actually among these people. Mm, and so both the come and tell and, uh, sorry, both the come and see and go and tell. And one might call it a come and tell. One might call it a come and tell. Yeah. There we go. Maybe that was intentional. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, a great word in Isaiah 49 and we're going to continue tomorrow. So, for the great Barrett Fisher, Dr. Barrett Fisher, to you, this is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. 
1737 or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.